0: To you, brothers and sisters, I submit to you that the recent events have reminded us once again of the truth of God's Word. Number one, life is short. Number two is the importance of living a faithful life. And I guess from a human perspective, we might would say, well, Brother Keith Crider's life was tragically cut short. But I believe that's heresy. Brother Keith's death was no surprise to the Creator. According to the Scripture in Psalm 139 verse 16, it reads this way, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That was true of King David. That was true of Brother Keith. And as the Lord tarries, that'll be true of you and me. The title of the message this morning, Our Life is But a Vapor. First point of the message, Only One Life. I'd like to begin this morning by sharing a few stanzas of a poem by C.T. Studd. It goes this way. Two little lines I heard one day, Traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would depart. Only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet, and stand before his judgment seat, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, When self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you and we acknowledge you as our supreme and sovereign creator. Father, you are the one that created each one of us. You created us, you sustain us, you give us life and health. And Lord, when it's your choosing, then you call us to meet eternity. And we can meet eternity saved or unsaved, but because of Christ, we want to thank you for what Jesus has done in shedding his blood. Father, we think of Brother Keith and others who maybe seemingly were unexpectedly called or quickly called and Lord, you have once again reminded us of the brevity of life. And I pray, Lord, that you will move in and out the, out the aisles here this morning and in and out each heart and help us to be prepared for when our time would come to meet you. Help us, Lord, to meet you in peace, and we know we can through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. For a text, I would invite you to James chapter 4, verse 14. James chapter 4, verse 14 reads this way: Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Again, our life is but a vapor. That's what the Bible says. You know, the Bible tells us that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know, and I don't know. It's impossible for us to see into the future. And I believe that's God's mercy. How many of you wish that 20 years ago you could have seen some of the difficulties that you're facing right now? Would you like to have known that 20 years ago? 10 years ago? I think it's by the mercies of God that he shields these things from us that we can't see into the future. Our life is but a vapor. It's here today. It's going tomorrow. I don't know how many hunters we have here this morning. Can I see raise of hand of hunters? I see a few. And I hunt as well. As I thought about a vapor ex- Think about this, you're on a a tree stand and you're hunting on a 20 degree morning and you're looking toward the sun and you breathe out your breath toward the sun and you go, and you can see thousands of little particles of moisture that's going toward the sun. And how long does it last? About two to three seconds. Our life is but a vapor. Psalm 90 verse 10. Psalm 90 verse 10. God's Word again says this, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore or eighty years, Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. You know, the last part of that verse says, Yet there is strength, and labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. I think it's a lot easier to convince those in the first four benches of this Congregation than it is those in the back six benches. Those of you that are 50, 60, 70 years old, it's a lot easier to convince you that life is full of trouble and we soon fly away. I guess I think about that a whole lot more than I did when I was 25 or 30. But this is God's Word. God's Word says, There's trouble and we soon fly away. That's God's word, not mine. Now this morning I brought along a little illustration. And we know what an hourglass is. An hourglass filled with sand represents the life that we live. The sand is the time that that you have. And isn't it nice when we can look And we can see and think, I have a lot of time left. Look how much sand there is. I've got a lot of of time left in life. I submit to you, there is one... I'm sorry. I don't always say things right either. There is one commodity in God's economy that all of mankind have in equal quantity. And that's time. Do you know how many out minutes there is in a day? There's 1,440 minutes in a day. You got that many yesterday, you have that many today. The same for me. We each receive 168 hours in a week. And most of us, if the Lord tarries, will live to the average of 70 years in a lifetime. Someone has said that of the 70 years... Fifteen years are spent in childhood and adolescence. Twenty years are spent in bed. Five years, or the end of life, we spend in declining health. And so that leaves about thirty years for you to accomplish in life what you want to do. Thirty years to eat. Thirty years to work and provide for your family. 30 years, maybe to fill out your income taxes. I'm assuming some of you have been doing that. I have in the last month month or two. But you know, those are the mundane things of life. But I'm asking you, what is it? What are you doing to invest in the kingdom of God and for Him? What are you doing? What am I doing? Romans 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a... Wow. That's God's Word. A living sacrifice for Him. What are we doing? This is a challenge for Jay. What are you doing, Jay, to invest your time for Him and for His kingdom? But you know, like I said earlier... It's really not quite right to think about. We can look at the top half of this, this sand that is uh, traveling down through this hourglass, and we can think, well, I have plenty of time left. Maybe I would ask you this morning, how much sand, how much grains of sand, how much time do you have in life? We don't really know. God in his sovereignty has placed a veil over how much time that you have left. And I don't really believe, I don't know this to be a fact, but I would guess that Brother Keith did not realize when he woke up the other morning that in a few short hours he would be in eternity or being face to face with his creator. How many grains of sand do you have left? Only God knows. You don't know. I don't know. It reminded me of approximately two and a half years ago. There were two men that were taken in the prime of life. Lester Whitmer, 53 years old. He left a wife and five children and a grieving mother. The rest were grieving as well. I think it was in that same week that John David Risser was 44 and he left a wife and six children. And I was nearly finishing up my sermon last evening and I got a text or an email from Brother Dave. And I'd like to share, I hope this doesn't make the sermon too long, but there's some excerpts that Brother Dave sent me that I thought you would find very interesting this writing comes from a Justin Zimmerman Justin Zimmerman is a man and his family who are serving in Guatemala and his brother Jordan was killed a few weeks ago in Pennsylvania some of you probably already know the, know the story but I would share with you a few excerpts Justin says this on Monday January 15, 2024, we received the stunning news that my brother Jordan had been killed in a freak work accident. After my wife, I counted him, I counted Jordan as my closest earthly friend, and we often consulted each other on various matters. Still raw with grief, we flew back to Guatemala on January the 25th. They came up, they were in Guatemala, they came up for the funeral of his brother, and they flew back to Guatemala. They arrived January 25. The next day, I witnessed the death of Keith Crider as he fell to the concrete a mere 12 feet from where I was standing. I I would like to have read all this to you. It would take too much time, but bear with me. I'll share a few excerpts that I thought were so challenging as we think about our life is but a vapor. He says this, No one is indispensable. This is a phrase that I only recall Keith saying once or twice in my presence, but I gathered from the Crider family that it was an oft-repeated refrain. Brother Keith evidently said various times, No one's indispensable. And that's true. No one is indispensable. Also, he spoke of God's sovereignty. And he says this Jordan didn't wake up early on Monday morning, and Keith didn't wake up early on Friday morning with any idea it would be the last time they did so. But God was not taken by surprise. He knew before time how many days each one would have to live on this earth. From our earthly viewpoint, Both Jordan and Keith probably had multiple decades of productivity left within them. Once again, we have God's sovereignty. We don't know. We don't think that Keith knew. We don't think Jordan knew of the amount of time that they had left. You don't know either. God directs our steps. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And Justin goes on to say, my plan for January 26th was to leave the mission headquarters there in Guatemala early to avoid traffic and to get back, to get home to Mexico, Laja. I'm not Spanish. Forgive me. To He said, I was going back to our headquarters are back to where our mission statement to rest and to recuperate and he goes on to say but our pickup truck did not work so we stayed for breakfast and devotions I offered to help with the new metal roof pieces so the mechanic who was in charge of the roofing project could work on my truck just minutes later Keith stepped on a skylight on his way to the edge of the roof to help lift the new metal into place I was the first to Keyside and immediately saw consciousness had fled to return no more. My wife and I were there as the Crider family gathered around the body we shared in their grief. A man who had been in Guatemala and got the sudden news that his brother was killed in Pennsylvania rushed up there, got back one day later, witnessed Brother Keith fall to his death. We so often miss or ignore the fact that what we might call a coincidence, coincident is really God directing our steps. God's grace is sufficient. The blessings of being part of a brotherhood of believers is never more keenly felt than during such times as these last weeks. Number six, ready to go. And just as is appointed unto men, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the, du- the judgment. Death is inevitable apart from the, turn of the Lord, return of the Lord. To those of you reading this who are not ready to meet the judge of all the earth, today is the day to get ready. Jordan and Keith lived in such a way that they were ready to go instantly. They had no time to repent or make anything right. Thankfully, they already had done so years before. They are now a part of that cloud of witnesses waiting for us to finish our race. Will you be there in glory too? Maybe it seems a little disjointed what I read to you today, but it's my understanding that this article is going to come out in the Mennonite Air Mission Uh, their periodical in the future, so you can read it in full there. If somebody wants to read it later here, you're welcome to do that. How many grains of sand do you have left? Second point of the message, the urgency of time. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. That's God's Word, not my Word. It reminds me of Noah and the heathen of his day. How long did Noah preach? Years. Correct. And while he was preaching, what did he do? He built a an ark, a boat. And what really impressed me What really impressed me is you think about the hundred years that Noah preached. There was an urgency. I tried in my mind to connect the two. What is urgent about a hundred years? When there's resisting, when there's rejecting, I don't care how long it is, there's an urgency. And this really stood out to me as I prepared for this sermon. The urgency of the hour. The urgency of the hour. A hundred years he preached. But at the time of God's own choosing, he closed the door. He shut the door of opportunity. It was finished. You know, in Elijah's day, there were many people that were in the valley of decision. I'm not going to turn to it, but first Kings chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah says, How long do you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal's God, serve him. And you know that God is the God that answered by fire, and the people said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord He is God. There was an urgency for the people. To make a choice between the two opinions. Which one is it? And I would like to turn this morning to Hebrews chapter 3 to think about the urgency. As you think about the hundred years that Noah preached. Is there an urgency today? Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 to 15. So as the Holy Spirit says today, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the times of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. There was an urgency. Once again, not 100, but 40 years. What's so urgent about 40 years? That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, And they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, and so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end of the confidence we had at first. And as has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. If I may share something, I thought about Noah and preaching for a hundred years. Do you know sometimes evangelists, even yet today, they may preach maybe even a whole series and there's no response? That's kind of discouraging. What, one week? As compared to 100 years, and I'll have to say, a few years ago that I preached a whole series in a series of revivals, in that week there was one response. It was a young girl that gave her heart to the Lord for the first time, and that made it well worth it. But I tell you what, thinking of preaching 100 years with no response would be terribly discouraging. But it's God's work and it's the Holy Spirit at work. It's not what we do or say. But I will say that that was encouraging to me. But is there an urgency of the hour? What about today? And I would like to submit to you this question or this statement. Did you know that there is no doorknob on the outside of your heart? Did you know that there's no doorknob on the outside of your heart? The church at Laodicea had falsely perceived their spiritual condition. They were, they said, we're rich and increased with goods and we have need of nothing. And obviously, Jesus said, you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. But I was impressed if I'd like to turn to what Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, and I think it bears out what I just told you. There's no doorknob on the outside of your heart. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and he will sup with and will sup with him and he with me. Who is it? Is Jesus? Is he the one that opens the door? No. Jesus stands knocking. If any man hear my voice and he opens the door, then I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. So if there's anybody here today, this morning, maybe you have been hearing the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been speaking to you. The Bible would say, today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Come to Jesus. He is knocking. Today is the day of salvation. And I would encourage, if there's anyone here that has felt, I'm not ready, should I meet an accident like Brother Keith? I'm not ready to meet Jesus. Or if Jesus should come back in the clouds? I'm not ready. You can be. Jesus, He's knocking. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Respond to that loving call of the Lord Jesus. Open that door. Last point of the message the importance of faithfulness. Jesus came to this earth to fulfill his Father's will. Maybe this is a good reminder to me. This thing runs for 15 minutes. And I'll try to be done before it's, it's finished the next time. The importance of faithfulness. Jesus came to this earth to fulfill his Father's will. Luke chapter 4 tells us what Jesus was doing here. What did Jesus come for? He came to fulfill his Father's purpose. What was that purpose? He came to preach the gospel. Luke chapter 4. He, he came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, The recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were bruised. And ultimately Jesus would shed his blood for the sins of all mankind. Jesus was faithful to his father. Jesus was only 33 years old. Seemingly there was much work left undone. But I love what John chapter 17 says about Jesus and the work that the Father had called him to do. John chapter 17, verse 4, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus was 33. The sand had run out. He had finished the work that God had called him to do. Jesus was faithful. He glorified his Father. What about the Apostle Paul? You know, the Apostle Paul, he put a lot of stock in his lineage. And he said that I was circumcised on the eighth day and I was, I was blameless in following the law. I'm not going to turn to that passage either. But he said, I laid those things aside. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, Paul recounted the sufferings that he suffered for the sake of Jesus Christ. But what about him? Was he faithful? Was Paul faithful to the work that God had called him to? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. I'm sorry. That was that was the sufferings that that he experienced because, but his faithfulness. I'm sorry. Second Timothy chapter four, verses six to eight. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Paul was faithful to the call, to the purpose that the Father had given him. I thought about Jesus' faithfulness, Paul's faithfulness. I thought about Brother Keith. I believe Brother Keith was faithful to his calling. Brother Keith was a husband, a faithful father, faithful grandfather, a minister of the gospel, bishop of three congregations, a writer of Christian literature, serving in Guatemala, doing what he loved to do. He loved to serve. Just like that, the sand ran out, and Brother Keith went to meet his maker. I believe Brother Keith was faithful. It's easy to think maybe of them, but. Brothers and sisters, what about you and me? Are we being faithful to what God has called us to? The Bible says that our life is but a vapor. I like to think of John the Baptist and his calling. And I believe we're not like, not anywhere near as great as John the Baptist. But I believe our calling is very similar to John the Baptist. The Bible tells us that John, he was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. Isn't that what you've been called to? Isn't that what I've been called to? We're not the light. We're not Jesus. But we are to bear witness to that light, to the Lord Jesus. Our time to fulfill God's purpose is now, today. But brothers and sisters, our time, our grains of sand, are soon run out, and we fly away. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Thinking about being faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Are we faithful to what we've been called to? In conclusion, I'd like to continue a little more with that poem from C.T. Studd. It goes like this. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, In joy or sorrow thy will to keep, Faithful and true whate'er the strife, Plea- Pleasing thee in my daily life, only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for Thee and Thee alone, bringing Thee pleasure on Thy throne. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear your call, I know I'll say what's worth it all, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Brothers and sisters, our life is but a paper.